0: to the Big Ten Conference Preview. We've been excited to get these together for you, and we're going to run through each team, all 14, and we're going to pretty much go over everything that that comes to mind to help you with your CFF leagues and and just general information as well. And of course, uh, I got to introduce my guy here uh he's he's one of the top minds in the the CFF industry. Josh, how are you, brother?
1: I'm doing well, man. It's it's 6:30 in the morning here Central Time, so uh I'm usually a night person, so hopefully the the brain is fully functioning, but uh we'll see how this goes. I'm excited to talk some college football for sure.
0: Yeah, so yeah, if you don't know, I'm an er- I'm an early morning guy, you know. I'm I'm usually up 4:35 a.m. every day, so I I force Josh to get out of bed today. To record this for us, but uh, let's dive right in here. So let's let's start with with Illinois. So you know Brett Bielema, this will be his second year uh, for the Illini. I mean, you can't argue with the success. Uh, he's got an over, over a sixty percent winning percentage during his career. Barry Lunny's his his offensive coordinator, and you know let's start at quarterback. And they brought in Tommy DeVito from Syracuse, and I mean it's it's it's. Probably, uh, at least in in my view, uh, I wouldn't call it a great uh, replacement for Artur Sikow- Sikowski. But Sikowski, I mean, he played pretty well last year. But man, when he was at Rutgers, uh, his his game was trash. So, um, Josh, what do you think about Devito here?
1: Yeah, I mean, Devito is one of those guys. I think it's he's one of those guys that's been really disappointing. Based on the potential that we thought he all had, particularly when he was at Syracuse. Um, so we'll see. I mean, he's got a pretty dynamic receiver in Isaiah Williams. And so hopefully that can kickstart him. But dynamic receivers ha- hasn't helped him before. So I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be depending on DeVito too much unless you're in a deep, deep league. Uh, but I do think he's an upgrade over Sikowski as well. So those are my thoughts on DeVito.
0: Yeah, completely agree. I mean, he had no chance there in Syracuse with Garrett Schrader. Uh, Mm -hmm. That that was, that was just, that was bound to happen. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm hoping the upgrade will be good enough. I mean, Brandon Peters, yeah, at one point during his career, I thought, I thought he had a little bit of NFL potential, but you know, that, that definitely didn't work out the last couple of years. I remember he beat Michigan 3 years ago, 3 or 4 years ago and it was um it was a uh, he looked so good in that game. But uh, <laughs> but then after that that was it. It was all downhill, but you know hopefully hopefully DeVito can come in and and just feed Williams because um you know I will say he did average he did post like a 75 25 pass to run ratio last year, but um you know we're not talking a, a, a or, or excuse me, he's done that during his career. Um, and, and, the, and the thing that really bothers me though about DeVito is he's, he's pretty much a cover four quarterback. Hmm. And that's, that's like saying you're a clean pocket quarterback. <laughs> it, it's, it's not, it's not necessarily a, 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 you know, a positive statement in, in your regard. So the fact that he struggles against cover one, cover three, that's that's not very exciting. So, yeah. but you know, I, I, bet you, I bet you Bielema pulls out a couple of wins here with DeVito, but uh, you know, nothing, nothing to get excited, excited about in CFF. So let's move on to running back. And you know, I, I'm a, I'm an Isaiah Williams guy. I know you are as well. I would like to see Williams at quarterback. You
1: know? um, yeah, exactly. But that's, that's just me.
0: You know, we want to see those, we, we want to see those sexy legs out there running around because, yep man, he can put up those numbers, but at running back, there's a guy that I'm not as high on as the industry. And, and that's, that's Chase Brown. It, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's not that I hate him or anything. It's just that I, I, I just, I, I can't really get that excited about the offense. What do you think about Chase Brown?
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, one of my philosophies with running backs in particular is I don't like to take running backs that are going to be on, on bad teams. Or even teams that are going to be like 500, which is what I see Illinois as, right? Like I don't think they're going to uh, just destroy their competition. And I think Chase Brown is, like you said, he's a good back, but he's not a he's not a great back. So I think he's going to have, you know, like last year he had a couple 200 yard games and you know scored a lot of his a lot of his fantasy production came in a, in a few games. And so um, I'm not I'm with you. I'm not with everybody else in the industry. I've you know than 25 drafts or so this year i haven't picked chase brown in any of them so he's going higher than than i would take him and part of that too and i want to get your opinion on this Wes, is i really kind of like josh mccray which i think we both have a little bit lower in our rankings but whenever he runs the ball he's just so hard to bring down and i think he's a i don't know if he's an nfl running back but he's a good running back for that system where they just want to they want to. Run that ball and do it. They want a power guy back there that's just going to run the rock. And I think whenever McRae gets his chances, he really does well with them. So he concerns me a little bit for Chase Brown. Um, and Chase Brown's a little slighter. Uh, he's like 205, I think, whereas McRae's 240, and he's only getting bigger. So I don't know what your thoughts are on McRae. Oh, no,
0: absolutely. You know, I'm right there with you. I, I, I love McRae. So the only reason I think I think I have him lower in my ranks when I when I really sit back and look at it is just because I know how devoted that Illinois is to Chase Brown. Yeah. Um, yeah. What was so weird is at the beginning of the year, and I don't I, I can't remember if it was injury or what was going on. Uh, but was. I do remember it was injury. Uh-huh. Was that what it was when Chase didn't play uh, very much in the very beginning of the year? Do you remember what, is that what, what
1: it was? Oh, no, sorry. Injury earlier in the, or sorry, Chase Brown earlier in the year. I think it was, they were just trying to figure out the rotation. Yeah, honest. so I, were... it
0: was, yeah, I mean, it was year one for Bielema. So I get that. He's just trying to feel his way through. And so He was probably looking at what he saw in practice with Josh McCray. And he's like, oh my gosh, this guy, you know. But uh, I think McCray is easily the more dynamic of the two um, you know there's there's a there's a few things i like to look at at running back and um you know it's it's information that that is is difficult to come by but um you look at during mcrae's career he's averaged 1.87 yards per route run that's the yeah. 11th best mark in the nation um qualified and and then you look at chase brown see i like to have my i like to have to see a guy above 1 and, you know, if it's if it's close enough, like 0.98 or something, that's uh-huh. OK. But he's at 0.9. That's pretty low for me. That's 71st in the nation. Uh, and then you look at the elusiveness, how you know, how how are they uh, working through contact and, and um, breaking tackles, things like that, creating offense for themselves. And McCray's not only doing it through the air, he's also doing it on the ground. The 25th best elusive rating at 107.3. I mean that's that's just that that's great. And then and then go back to his 20 season in high school and he averaged 24 points per game at fantasy points per game. And that's that's one of the things I I kind of did a, a a deep dive into high school production um and and especially at running back. That's the one that I've just been really uh digging into. I, I did it for every position, but um one of the one of the big take takeaways I have is that a player doesn't I I couldn't find one example of a player that's going to be playing in college football this year who produced uh, an FPG number in high school and then and then um, uh, went to college. And outproduce that number. So his highest yeah. mark in high school, I couldn't find even one example of, of a kid going to, to college and outproducing that number. Now that's mm-hmm. that's more of like an obvious statement, it, it, at least it might be taken that way. But <laughs> it, if you it really so for the it doesn't really tell us much about the guys that in high school you know scored forty fantasy points per game. Right. I mean, he's not going to go to college and do that. But it does say something when you have a guy that all he ever got up to was fifteen. And then, right. oh, so hold on, this guy is never going to score more than fifteen. So, um, th- that that's right around where I see Chase Brown. I think he's, I think he capped out last year at fifteen point nine, and it's like you said, he had that big two hundred yard game, or what was it? It was a insane game. I can't even remember. I think it was against yeah. Penn State, and uh, yeah, and, and that was just a huge chunk of his production. But I think Josh McCray. I'm more excited about the 23 season at running back for Illinois. Cause I want to see Josh McCray in that lead role.
1: Yeah. And you talk about the elusive rating yards per route run, right? Those are eye popping numbers for any running back, but then you go, this guy's 240 pounds. No doubt. And like if
0: he, if he tests well at, at the, at the combine or at his pro day, either, or, I mean, this this kid is definitely going to be on an NFL uh, field, you know, come, come his future.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So he's fun. I like, I think we both like upside on running backs and we see it with McCray and we don't see it with, with Chase Brown. And you look at old running backs that, uh, B-Lim has featured in the past and you see these guys that are 220 pounds. So, and that's, that's not Chase Brown on top of all yeah. the other stats. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you all there. I really hope that McCray gets a shot. I really, I watch a spring game and you know, he is more of the same for him. Except he was also getting some like, some good goal line work, and he looked good at the goal line. So, I'm hoping that he can pick that that work up too, and and we'll see what he does. You know, Bielema's a smart guy, and he wants to win games. So, I think I think McCray could end up winning out in the end.
0: It it could happen this year. I mean, if right. if. Think about it this way. If McCray takes the goal line carries and Belama recognizes that he's the superior receiver, I mean, that's going to make, that's going to make uh chase Brown just, I mean, it's going to be difficult to start him. That's why it's insane to me in my eyes. Like how is this guy being drafted in what the, the ninth round or the no, right. late, yeah. late eighth round. Right. Um, yeah. No, thank you. I'm going to pass because there's a lot of guys out there. I want over him. Um, OK, right. so let's move on to wide receiver. And, you know, we, we love our guy Isaiah, w- Isaiah w- Williams. He transitioned from quarterback in high school to to he did play a few games at, at quarterback for Illinois, but uh, they decided to move him to wide receiver. And there's been a, a lot of epic fails in that type of transition, but he's done it pr- really well. I, I I love him as their slot receiver uh, in the spread that that Bela Mudd and um, and uh, shoot, I forget his name now, Lunny, Uh, Lunny, Lunny run. Yeah. It's he's, he's, he's really got a lot of, um, a lot of talent. I think, I think it might even translate to the NFL. Won't be a, he won't be a feature guy, but I think he, he could easily be a fourth or fifth receiver in the NFL with his speed. But, um, I I know you love Williams. So, so why don't you, why don't you just kind of go over him and, 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 you know, just, just tell us what you love about him.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think like you said, I love him more if he was a quarterback. But he's just such a just a fast twitch muscle guy, right? He's so quick, and I I knew he was quick as a as a quarterback. But then to see that translate to a wide receiver the way that it has is pretty incredible. And I think, I mean, he was good last year in his transition. But what they did in the spring game, and I know it's just a spring game, but they featured the mess out of this guy and he, I mean, I think he had like six or seven catches for a hundred yards and a touchdown and he looks good. Right. And so he, he seems like he's made that transition, but then it seems like, man, this guy is, is gonna, he's going to be the featured guy in this passing offense. And I'm not saying it's going to be a dynamic passing offense by any stretch, but, um, but I think they'll, they'll throw it more than they have in the past because they have DeVito and, um, and he's a decent quarterback and um and and i think Lenny. i mean Lenny at least last year had 398 pass attempts and so i think there is a place where they could throw the ball more and isaiah williams is really the guy there i mean everybody else behind him is uh you know pretty average in my opinion but what are your thoughts there
0: no absolutely so let's let's run through the guys on the roster outside of him so we have Brian Hightower we have Casey mm-hmm. Washington we have Pat Bryant i mean there is nothing to get behind there um this is this is entirely the the Isaiah Williams show and you know it, it he he put up 12 points per game last year that's number that number's going to go up um you know I, i'm not i'm not going to project like 20 points per game or even, or even 18. But, um, I will say, man, this guy put up a 65.9 elusive rating. He's put that up during his career. That's impressive Mm. for a wide receiver. And, and on the inside where he's, you know, he's given that freedom to, to get a, get a, you know, a, a start off the line. Um, it's, it's just, it's really, I mean, it's, it's something to think about. I mean, he's, he's really not really being drafted this year. So, um, uh, you know, but at the same time, he's a guy that you could probably just pick up off the wire, uh, you know, after the draft and right. um, cost you nothing, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him get a 30% target share, maybe, maybe 35, you know, uh, and, and, yeah. and he's been reliable for his quarterback. Um, he's really the only player, the only wide receiver on the team that you would even consider. Uh, so let's move on to tight end and there's just really nothing there. Uh, I, th- I believe Tip Raymond, he was a former walk-on. I'd like to see what he could do. You know, Luke Ford transferred over from Georgia, and he just never, has never uh, amounted to the scouting that, that he had coming out of high school. So what do you think about these two players?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I want to see Tip too, because Luke didn't do anything. And, you know, I think as far as, CFF goes I mean this is going to be if there's an Illinois tight end that hits you're going to get them off the waiver wire because these guys are just they're just not producing enough and it's not an offense that historically has produced like killer tight ends Um, and so I just think it's something that you know we're just going to have to wait on and and just see I mean yeah I mean I I think the last time Lunny and Bilama really produced something with was Hunter Henry, which is great. Uh, but that was back in 2015. That was seven years ago. And so, yeah, I'm going to have to wait on both Tip and or Luke. Um, but I think you're right. Tip's got more of the upside than Luke, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, he put up,
1: uh, I believe,
0: 14 points in 2018 in high school, 14 fantasy points per game. And so, mm-hmm. you know, he's he's got the potential to produce, but... Um, I think we can pretty much stick a fork and in, and in look forward. So let's move <laughs> on to. I, I I hate to be hard on them because uh, they're they're going through a lot of changes here. But I mean seriously, this this may be this may be the worst team in the conference at, at least as it stands now. And that's the Indiana Hoosiers under Tom Allen. Um, he's got co-offensive coordinators Walt Bell, Adam Henry. It's and you know at Tom Allen he, he did a great job two years ago, you know really took that that program to a level that it it's it's rarely been. I mean that that, that if I remember correctly, was like one of the greatest seasons in their history. and uh, you know but then he couldn't replicate that success last year. Of course, there were injuries at quarterback and, and you know Michael Penix, he's no longer uh, he's no longer in, uh, playing for Indiana but uh you know it's 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 there's there's little to get excited about here one day at one point I thought Connor Basilick like Brandon Peters I thought he would have some NFL potential he had a, has a decent arm but you know he really hasn't turned that into anything exciting then I went back to his high school days he put up 13.3 fantasy points per game uh in 2018 mm. as a senior wow that's not much to get excited about um, and look, he had, he, he outplayed that actually last year with 13.9, but, uh, he got benched at the end of the year and, and it, uh, I'm, you know, it, it's not, it's not all, I'm not all that excited to go out and get him. What do you think about him?
1: Yeah, I'm with you, man. I, you know, I think he's a guy that maybe got some hype because he was playing as a true freshman in the SEC, but I'm, I'm out on Connor Basilic. I, I mean, even if, even if he has a decent year he's a statue in the pocket, right? He's not a dual threat guy. And if you're not a dual threat guy in college, you got to be putting up just monster numbers like CJ Stroud to be fantasy relevant. And so Connor Basilic, no matter how good he is or isn't good, he's just not a fantasy relevant quarterback. (laughs) that makes sense? He's a
0: 90, 10 passing to Russian. Yeah. Yeah. And he's not a beast. And yeah, he's he's decent in the red zone i will say that uh but mm-hmm. at the same time um you know there's just there's not a whole lot of excitement to his game um and you know he's he's average he's only averaging 110 air yards per game which which is pretty limiting for for a guy i mean he's outside the top 100 outside the top 100 quarterbacks in air yards per attempt That that that's pretty bad that that pretty yeah. much That tells you what you need to know. He's dumping the ball off. It's um, it's it. There's little to get excited about. Honestly, you know, um, it. it, it, I like Donovan McCauley better. I I know he was Mm -hmm. he was sketchy last year, and uh, there's you know not a whole lot to get excited about there. But he runs the ball a lot. So from a CFF perspective, I like him more. And uh, you know, I—I I mean, from a sc- uh, high school scouting perspective, Jack Tuttle was yep. superior to basilix So you know, it's just like <laughs> they—they've got three decent guys in there, but McCully would be the most fun. But man, it's—it's it it's hard to get unless you want the—the the, the walk on Grant Grant Grandma, which, um, yeah, no, thank you. So. <laughs> Quarterback position in, in Indiana is a problem, and so is the backfield in Ugh. as a whole. Because this may be the worst backfield in college football, yeah. right? I mean, if 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 they decided to put David Ellis, well, let's say he stays healthy, right? Because he keeps right. getting hurt. If they, <laughs> if they were able to keep him healthy and they were able to put him in the backfield, man, he can catch the ball so well that actually would like that a little bit. But no, they go out and they get Sean Shivers. Mm-hmm. from from Auburn and then they and then they get Josh Henderson from North Carolina which I mean they're they're decent you know complementary pieces but yeah. I, I mean Sean Shivers is five seven I mean he's a little guy you know he's a yeah. he's a satellite back he's not a featured running back uh you know Josh Henderson's a little bit bigger but he's more of in my mind he's more of like a change of pace type of player yeah so they're gonna start these guys what do you think about that?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I don't know what to do with this. It's just a mess. And I think you can say that about this entire offense, right? It's like, what do you do with this? It's just not the pieces. I mean, I guess they fit together in some ways, but it's really hard to see this team having any type of success because these are all guys that transferred out because they were subpar on teams that honestly, like like a Josh Henderson like, man, I I had, I, I, he's got tools. And so I I was hoping he was going to be decent, but like, he got beat out by a walk-on running back in British Brooks. And and then Caleb Hood came in and he just got passed up by everybody. So he's going to go to the big 10, which is a better defensive conference and have success. Like I don't see it. So yeah, I'm with you, man. I'm out on this backfield. Sean Shivers, if he was, you know, if he was five ten and 215 if he had josh henderson's measurables then yeah i'd be all about that but he doesn't and so i think it's a hard avoid i'm with you if david ellis could stay healthy i mean he's shown at times that he could be he could have some dynamic aspects to his game but we haven't seen it so you know here we are i think this is a backfield that unfortunately isn't a void because they've they've always had guys that aren't good but they just tend to feature them <laughs> so I wish that that was going to be the case here, but this looks screams running back by committee in my opinion.
0: Yeah, no question. And and, and it's not like they went out on the recruiting trail. It, 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 just like at quarterback. I mean, they did bring in uh, uh, Brendan Swarsby. So we'll see. It. He was um, he was decent, but he played at a a pretty weak college. I mean, excuse me, high school. So it was just hard to get behind anything he did, but they didn't do anything at, run, at running back. Um, so I'm, I'm just kind of keeping my fingers crossed that they go out and get somebody off of off of uh, the, the transfer portal, which um, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's some guys floating around that could be a better uh, featured running back for this offense. But uh, let's move on to wide receiver. And, you know, it's it's more of the same. Really, um, they 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 added um, they added DJ Matthews Jr. from Florida State. He really didn't uh, do much last year. And then they added Emory Simmons from North Carolina, which, you know, actually he's a, he may be the featured guy here. Um, yeah. I hate I'd hate it for it to be Matthews though, um, because I think Simmons got the, he's got more upside, but Matthews is the only one drawing any NIL dollars. And, and so um, we'll see, but then they did add a guy that, that could offer some intrigue and Cam Camper out of the Juco ranks. Um, it's not like he went off in Juco, you know, Uh, 11 fantasy points per game, but um, you know, I, it's, it's a new name. You know, it's somebody that (laughs) who knows, maybe, maybe he'll do something for us, but I think, I think Simmons could be a decent play. What are your thoughts here?
1: Yeah, I'm with you. And Emory Simmons, if there's one thing that he proved at North Carolina is he can be a deep threat. Um, I think that's where he won the most. And, you know, I was kind of surprised he didn't stick around there. Maybe just saw the writing on the wall with everybody they are bringing in and and all that. But yeah, Emory Simmons, I think I'm with you. If there's one guy that I think is really going to pop off. I mean, I've seen enough of DJ Matthews. He came in in what, 2017. Um, I mean, he is what he is and he's going to be 50 catches, 600 yards and three touchdowns. It's like, that's just not fantasy relevant. So, you know, you look at this and go, Emory Simmons is the one guy that has the potential to do something. And, um, and even then, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't see this offense as a whole really producing anything um, outside of maybe the tight end that we'll talk about here in a minute. But and yeah, exactly. That's the guy that I'm,
0: I'm most interested in here, and um, you know, unsurprisingly, he's also uh, collecting the most nil dollars. Uh, there's other uh, outside of quarterback, of course. And that's AJ Barner, and you know the Indiana's they've they've produced some decent tight ends. Nothing you mm-hmm. know to go crazy about, but just it, definitely in CFF some decent quarterback or tight ends, excuse me. And and I think I think he's a guy that that could be interesting late. Uh, you know, we definitely don't want to go crazy on him, but uh, yeah, he was uh, he's he's shown uh, some decent athleticism, and uh, you know. It's it, he he runs he runs a lot of routes. He's they they don't use him as a blocker. Um and and so I I think he's got some potential. So what are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I think AJ Barner of all the guys in this offense has the most potential. And you're right. I mean, like Peyton Hendershot at tight end, he's he's been a decent fantasy asset for the tight end position. And I think your are looking into the NIL stuff is brilliant. And so I'm excited to hear more and more. Um, about who's got the most nil money, and I think that's something that we need to look at here with AJ Barner. And so if there's a guy that I'm taking off of uh, the the Indiana roster and CFF Giraffes. It's going to be AJ Barner for sure.
0: Absolutely, I could not agree more. Okay, so I think that's enough about the Hoosiers. Let's move on to a team that I'm and and you know I hate to say it, I don't know what direction <laughs> I was going in here. They they made some uh, some interesting moves with their coaching staff. Um, you know, Kirk Ferentz he decided to uh, move his guy, his son Brian Ferentz, into the offensive coordinator position. I gotta say, I'm not too excited about that. The offense was was flat as it was, and. Uh, man, it, I mean, I just can't even imagine what it would be like to see Iowa actually put a good offense on the field. And I'm not talking about, you know, pro style, give it to a running back all day long type of offense, but one that you actually have a quarterback that, that you know, is more than just, um, you know, uh, a game manager. And that's definitely not what we're seeing in Iowa. I mean, seriously, there's somebody needs to go to Iowa with their with the defense they put out on the field every year. Somebody needs to go give this guy a hand. Cause somebody needs to be <laughs> recruiting quarterbacks for them because they've got some, some flat scrubs at quarterback uh, Spencer Petrus And I'm sorry, Alex Padilla is not an upgrade maybe yeah. over Spencer Petrus, but not from a perspective that we're actually going to win games from the quarterback. Um, and it makes me sick to my stomach to see anybody pay these guys NIL dollars. Um, yep. and it's, it's a sorry situation in Iowa at quarterback. And honestly, I don't, I'm not even going to turn it over to you because we don't even need to talk about it. Um, <laughs> let's move on to, to running back. And there's, there's a guy there that I do like, and he's probably, he's probably the only guy that, that you're going to go after early, you know, early ish. Um, and that, that's Gavin Williams. Um, Mm -hmm. they have, you know, obviously he's not their only running back on the roster. They also have LaShawn Williams, but I I don't like him. I don't like, I don't like what, what I've seen out of him. Um, you know, and, and, you know, obviously it's a smaller sample size, but he hasn't impressed me, but I do like Mm -hmm. Gavin Williams. I think Gavin Williams is a guy that, um, I think people are actually sleeping on him a little bit in in drafts. And, um, I think he could have a pretty good year. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, Gavin Williams is a guy that I was taking, um, anywhere from the 12th to 15th round in almost every draft, um, early on, and I really like his his tape. I mean, I think I like his product. I mean, not I think I like his production as well so far. And he's just so far outproduced um, LaShawn Williams from a yards per carry perspective. There is like talk that LaShawn Williams has gotten better; he's taking that next step. But um, you know, until you show it on the field, it's really hard for me to take that into account because what I see on film between Gavin Williams and Leshawn Williams is is a pretty noticeable difference. And so I'm with you. I like Gavin. I think I think he is being slept on a bit. And, uh, you know, the Iowa running back has averaged 15 fantasy points per game over the last eight years. And I think Gavin Williams is right in line to be able to do that. And that's a solid producer as your fourth, fifth running back on your roster, which is where he's going in drafts. So I'm with you. And I just want to say, like, where else are you going to get 25 minutes on Illinois, Indiana, CFF uh, airtime than on this podcast? Because that's what we did for the first 20 minutes. And that's awesome. And here we are talking about Iowa. And Gavin Williams is probably the first, like, true fantasy relevant guy beyond Chase Brown. (laughs)
0: Yeah, Isaiah Williams, but, you know, nobody wants him. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Uh, but you know, I just feel like every team deserves at least a discussion when we're doing a conference Absolutely. Meeting. So Absolutely. I don't want to leave anybody out. But yeah, I think that's even enough on Gavin Williams because really we don't have a big enough sample size to go crazy. Um, but I, I, I think I think upside wise, you want Gavin Williams in that backfield. Um, let's let's move on to wide receiver. And there are, there is one guy that I am bullish on. And mm. I know that I am alone on this Island because nobody wants him, <laughs> but I think, I think, I think he's, a, I think he's somebody that we could see Iowa feature. Now he was a straight up beast in high school. And I'm talking mm. about Arlen Bruce, the fourth uh-huh. Listen to this. He put up 36.5, 41.5 and 30.1 fantasy points per game. His last three years of high school.
1: And mm. he came out
0: and, and he had some decent uh, scouting, you know, so I, I, and, and he was, he was what I saw in the game, in the Iowa games, I watched, he was the best receiver on the field. And that include, that included Tyrone Tracy. I think mm-hmm. that, um I think, I think Bruce is a guy that it may not be this year, but I think he's a guy that that's going to step up at some point and be somebody that could, uh, um, you know, be interesting in CFF. You know, outside of that, we've got Keegan Johnson, we've got Nico Rajani. Re- I mean, I'm, I'm, bleh, you know, no, thank you. But right. uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's probably not this year, but um, you know, somebody to somebody to stash away. What are your thoughts on him?
1: Well, I think I mean I'm with you on Arlen Bruce. I definitely think he's talented. And what's interesting is like you have Arlen Bruce and you have Keegan Johnson. You could have had a and Tracy. You could have had a pretty decent passing attack here at Iowa if you had any sort of quarterback. But that's neither here nor there. But, I, I, I mean, I'll say this about Arlen Bruce. We're going to talk about Tyrone Tracy here in a little bit. And Tyrone Tracy's got the potential to be the featured guy in that Purdue offense. And I think Arlen Bruce is the one that basically made him transfer out. Because Tyrone Tracy just getting, didn't barely get any run this last year. And Arlen Bruce is really the, the new guy, him and Keegan, that came and stepped in. And so I'm, I think that alone really says all you need to know about the talent in um, Arlen Bruce, and it just shows up on the field, right? Um, so I'm with you there.
0: Okay, and and so that that's that's easily enough uh, with the wide receivers. There, the one position that is guaranteed. <laughs> to be CFF relevant, relevant, because, you know, we don't know if LaShawn Williams is going to somehow overtake Gavin, but still I like Gavin anyway,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, but at tight end, we've got a, a true NFL talent and Sam Laporta. And I'm also a big believer in yep. what Luke Lockie is going to do in the future. Then they also added transfer Steven Stilianos, who uh, he, he looked pretty decent. Um, i don't know the school that he transferred from but um, I, I could look it up you can look it up but i know that his numbers looked somewhat decent when he played there um but uh yeah i'm i'm all over sam laporta i have been in devi leagues for a while uh, i really like this guy he put up wide receiver type production in high school and you know from a uh, pers- from the perspective of uh, efficiency, he's been a really good quarterback in spite of the quarter, or, excuse me, tight end in spite of the quarterback play. And, uh-huh. you know, he put up the 10th the most fantasy points per game uh, at the position last year. So, I mean, uh, it's, it's obviously we don't, we can't, beggars can't be choosers when it comes to tight ends. But, uh, you know, what are your thoughts here on, on Laporta?
1: <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I think I'm, I'm with you on Laporta. I was surprised he came back, to be quite, quite honest. Um, I thought he would go to the draft and uh, just call it a day. And I was hoping so, because I really like Luke Lockie as well. Um, I think he's he looks like he's in a future uh, superstar. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on Laporta. I think he's a guy that you need to be drafting. Um, you know, I have him as a tight end one and cff this year he's my 12th ranked tight end but he's a tight end one um as far as tiers go so i like sam laporta i mean i think he's gonna be the guy and then steve Solana seems to a Lafayette um and yeah he put up some decent numbers and it's like man here's the deal of Iowa picking up any tight end you need to take notice of that because they just always recruit the position well but yeah sam no, laporta should be the guy
0: yeah, You No, know, Sam Laporta is the guy, and he's gonna have. I think he's gonna. We're gonna see a, an improvement on nine point nine, and and then knowing that 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 you're gonna have a, I would say somewhere in the, um, at least above twelve fantasy points per game, and and, and at tight end that's very valuable. But yeah. it's it's so true when Iowa goes. I mean, they are pretty much tight in you right alongside you know Miami and. Um, You know, Notre Dame's probably tied in you, but then secondary would be Miami and Iowa. And they, you know, so they they also added Kel Vanderbush and uh, Addison Ostranga uh, this year in the in the 22 class. So um, these are all names that are going to be relevant and that we need to pay attention to. And, uh, you know, I remember when LaPorta broke out and it was, it was pretty significant and it was as a true freshman, this guy's a, he's, he's a baller. He's going to be playing on Sundays and we're going to be drafting him to our, our NFL rosters. You can count on that. So let's, let's, uh, let's move on from Iowa and, you know, let's, let's jump to, uh, you know, a real offense. Now I will (laughs) say this. Okay. So Cade McNamara is not without out his talents. Um, he, he's, he's actually one of the top cover one quarterbacks in the country. Mm -hmm. And that's impressive. He put up, he, he's averaged 0.87 fantasy points per drop back during his career, which is the third highest qualified mark in uh, among every quarterback returning to college this year. So, I mean, he's definitely impressive there. But outside of that, oh, and he's also he's also actually quite well does quite well in the in the red zone. But outside of that, there's nothing. And if you go and you and, and when you're when you're watching, if if Michigan is uh, in any way playing a team that they can run the ball against, you can guarantee Cade Cade McNamara is going to do squat. So <laughs> you really have to play the matchups, and you have to make sure. That it's a defense that's going to be able to stop their their ground game, and if it's not, you can't even touch him. You can't even touch any of the receivers either. Um, But I do like JJ McCarthy mm-hmm. because this guy likes to use his legs. And re- I mean, last year they put him on the field, but they just used him as a as basically a, a you know glorified running back. And mm-hmm. uh, so there's a battle going on right now, and I would like this. I would like this offense quite a bit more. If J.J. McCarthy was on the field, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, J.J. McCarthy's the the CFF-relevant quarterback, potentially, right? And I think this would be a much more dynamic discussion if McCarthy would have been able to play in spring ball <laughs> instead of having that injury. But, uh, you know, once fall camp hits, I think this is a battle to watch because you're right, not necessarily that McCarthy's going to be – you know, a top 24 CFF quarterback or anything like that, but he enhances the entire offense um, from Donovan Edwards, Blake Corum to the entire wide receiver core. And so I'm really interested to see what happens in that battle. I'm with you. I think JJ McCarthy's is a guy. Um, and I think, I think if we would have had a full spring ball, this wouldn't really be a, a conversation, but, but here we are.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to remember the wide receiver that he played with at Nazareth. JJ McCarthy. Oh, Tyler Morris. That's a guy that I want to I do want to talk about yeah. later on. But yeah, if if JJ McCarthy, if he um if he's the starter, um we're going to see his ADP just go way up. So, um he's he's somebody that that I will definitely have a, have my eye on during fall camp. Um but you know, uh as it stands, we have Cade McNamara. Now, that that doesn't say that that Michigan wouldn't it wouldn't be the same deal where Michigan would run the ball more against the weaker defenses, but at the same time, McCarthy would be a part of that. So that's why I would get behind him in this offense. But I mean, we're talking about the cherry of the offense when we get into the running backs and we've got two guys that are going to be playing on Sundays, two guys that I love, two guys that are just elite receiving running backs. Probably. I think I can honestly say two of the, top 5 maybe top 10 receiving running backs in all of college football between Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards. Would you would you share in that assessment?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's crazy to see like when Donovan Edwards did against Georgia, right? Where he had that 40-yard pass downfield. Then he and it's like okay, whatever. It's one pass, and then he goes and does it on like the third play of the spring game. <laughs> he does the same exact thing. I mean, these guys are dynamic as as wide receivers out of the backfield for sure.
0: Yeah, so I I mean, you're gonna go out and you, it, it, you're gonna have to pay for both of these guys. They're 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 getting picked around the same. Place And I've seen Donovan Edwards even go before Blake Corum, which I think is a little too much. I'm actually, I actually think uh, Edwards should be a, a full round behind Corum. I love Donovan Edwards. Don't get me wrong. But th- the way that, that, that Jim Harbaugh has played, um, you know, have a, obviously have, a, 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 you know, a new offensive quarter coordinator this year. Um, and it, it, Josh Gadden, he's not he's not there anymore, but um, so yeah, he'll be he'll be splitting those duties between two guys that were already on his staff between right. Sheron Moore and Matt Weiss. So we'll see. I, I think we'll probably see pretty much the same type of offense because. Um, Jim Harbaugh, he's always, he's always played a hands-on role in the offenses he puts on the field, but I still think that Coram's going to be the featured guy and he's getting, and, and probably combined touch split of around at least 60, 40. So I think you want to wait one extra round before you go get Edwards. I think it's a, a mistake because I mean, even going back to high school, they both put up similar numbers. Um, Blake Corham put up 27.5 fantasy points per game his senior year. Donovan and Edwards put up 27.7. So almost identical and, 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 and Edwards a little higher as a junior, but I mean, just by a couple and uh, yeah. And mean these two guys, listen to this Corm's put up 1.32 yards per route run during his career, which is, I mean, that's just absolutely great for a guy that's getting a lot of touches. That's, that's really impressive that, that right there says NFL receiving role potential. But Donovan Edwards has put up 3.79, I mean, <laughs> obviously not as many touches. So we're going to see that number come down, right. but that doesn't mean it's not. And then the other thing is the elusive rating difference here. Blake Coram is at 111.5, which is the 22nd highest in the country. And we haven't really seen enough carries to Donovan Edwards, but it's pretty low right now. 39.8. I think that number is going to change because yeah. this guy's elusive. Um, he's, he's built stocky to the, you know, low to the ground. Um, and they both have really high touchdown rates as well. So, I mean, this is just an, this is such an exciting backfield. It might be one of the most, one of the top five backfields in the country, not really from, a um, you know, a, a power perspective, but from, a uh, you know, just a, a dynamic type perspective. Right. But, um, do you have anything else there between those? Two? Yeah.
1: I mean, I'm, I'm a little bit higher on Donovan Edwards than you yeah. are. And so long
0: term or right away,
1: I think right away. And I think okay. where it potentially happens is uh, they're going to put them both out on the field together and Donovan Edwards is going to split out. You mentioned the yards per route run there. Right. And like, they're going to, they're going to feature him in the passing game. I think that's where you get some of his touches. He's also, uh, he's already up to 210 pounds from his listed weight, which I think was like 202 in the spring. And he's planning on getting up to 215 uh, by the time that the season starts. And I think that's going to help him a little bit with that elusive rating because I don't think he's going to lose any speed. Um, But I think he's going to be able to break some more tackles than he did his uh, freshman year. And obviously there's a bit of projection going on for me and that he's going to improve as a runner. Because you're elucidating a spot on in the sense of like, he just did not run it between the tackles very well last year. And that's something that he's got to improve on. But I think, man, with his skill set at 215, I mean, that's just insane. And, um, and I think, I think Donovan Edwards is gonna, I think he's gonna have a really good year. And I think he's gonna, I don't surprise some people. I don't think that's the right term, but I do think he's going to, um, I think he's going to be more dynamic than people are giving him credit for, and I just like his the reason why I pick him over quorum is I just like his upside more, potentially uh, for this year than Quorum. but it's probably smarter just to like wait for the first guy to get picked and just pick the second guy. <laughs> uh, yeah, in this offense, if you're, you know talking about from a strategy perspective. but that's really hard to do because it's a preference in drafts. People are just taking who they prefer, you know, Cormer Edwards, but it's really, you know, I have them within five spots of each other in my rankings. That's how close it is for me. So I like them both.
0: No, I get that. And, and and that's the other thing is Cormor, he's lined up in the slot at a top five rate in the country. And uh, so he's, he's going to be on the field even when Edwards is on the field. So I I do, I do see what you're saying. And I do, um, I do, I do tend to agree. Uh, I just think that, that I think that Corum is going to get that opportunity because this is probably his last year. And yeah. I think he's going to get that opportunity to see a little more featured work than Edwards, but from an upside perspective, absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I think, I think that if you're, you know, you're drafting for the future um, Debbie definitely, but you want either or of these guys, I think they're both going to have uh, significant roles in the NFL and you know if Edwards gets up to that big, I mean, he may even see uh, featured work. So we'll see. We'll see yeah. how that goes. Yeah, and and, that, um,
1: and that's that's my project. That that's where my projections are coming into play is at two ten to two fifteen, and mm-hmm. for him to say he's already at two ten, yeah. But you know, it's one of those things where like, man, I I totally think my projection is riskier. I think it's safer to say that Quorum's the guy, right? Um, this year, not the guy. I think it's safer to say you should pick Quorum above Edwards. Um, I just haven't been doing that in, in drafts, and so I can't then rank a guy differently than when I'm drafting him. So, yeah, we'll see what happens.
0: Yep, that's that. There's definitely nothing wrong in drafting for upside. It's definitely a motto that I like to follow. All right, let's move on to wide receiver and Michigan. They've got they've got just a ton of talent there. So we, as far as as far as projected starters, we've got Ronnie Bell on the inside. We got the Roman Wilson as the split end and Cornelius Johnson as the flanker. Johnson has been one of the the primary beneficiaries of Cade McNamara against man coverage. I think he's he's going to be playing on Sundays, and really, to be honest, it's it's uh, there's there's probably five or six guys that are going to be playing on Sundays for Michigan. Ronnie Bell mm-hmm. is is a guy. You know, he missed his he missed his uh, twenty one season with that torn ACL. But he looked like he was he just looked so good in that first game. I believe he went for over a hundred or, or so. Uh, right before he tore his ACL. And he's so mm-hmm. elusive. He's like a uh, one of the top 20 wide receivers at, uh, you know, working through contact and breaking tackles. Mm. And uh, so uh, he's, he's more of a possession guy. Then Roman Wilson, a Hawaii native who, uh, who I think we've yet to see the best out of. And, uh, and then, you know, I, 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 it's, it's just, it's unfortunate that we can't really rely on these guys. It's not like we can go out and just, you know, go crazy and draft them because, um, it's, it's just, it, there's just such a, an unknown with the offense because of, of how they, they shred guys on the ground. So, um, you know, what are your, what are your thoughts on the starters here?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think if Ronnie Bell's coming back healthy, I mean, he, he's like, we, you've already said, he's so dynamic and I really like him This offense. Um, if, if, uh, Andrel Anthony, uh, yeah. played Michigan state every week. I mean, he'd be incredible. Just kidding. <laughs> nah, I, I think all of these guys, man, kid with JJ McCarthy, um, it could be a really fun dynamic offense. I, you know, I'm also curious how much Harbaugh is just going to limit, even no matter who the quarterback is, is just going to limit the passing game. Uh, so, but Ronnie Bell would be the guy for me if I'm picking one uh, to say, yeah, you, you should take a shot on him in CFF.
0: Yeah, it's it's. I would I would compare it to like the Georgia system mm-hmm. and and the way they the way they have so many good wide receivers, but it's just the game flow. It just kind of dictates what happens and and how it, it's it. Really, to be honest, you you're going to avoid the Michigan wide receivers because until we see something different at quarterback. Uh, you know, because it's more of a a game to game thing, and you really have to read their matchup. But I do want to talk about one guy, and that was Tyler Morris, one of their one of their recruits coming in this year, and he was JJ McCarthy's uh, number one wideout at Nazareth. And uh, I think he missed he missed his last year, um, or or he missed most of his uh, his twenty one season due to an injury. I did I didn't really go deep into that if it was an ACL or something, but. Um, You know, he's a he's he put up twenty five point nine fantasy points per game during the 2020 season and twenty four point one the season prior to that, both with uh, J.J. McCarthy. So, um, you know, I think I think he's a guy that that we might be talking about in the future. Um, And and, you know, really, we don't I wouldn't count on anything right out of the gate, obviously. But uh, you know, you never you never really know. That's that's kind of like when you when you see a quarterback that's been on the practice squad come up, and and he just you know he's he's playing really well. And if there's a wide receiver that came up with him, um, you'll see you know that he's been that he's been uh, uh, practicing with a lot, and you'll see him do well. And and that's something we might see with the the Tyler Morris JJ McCarthy dynamic in the future. Do you have any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think it's awesome that that you knew that because I've only known J.J. McCarthy as the IMG guy. So I didn't even know he went to uh, Nazareth. So, Oh, that's
0: right. So so Tyler Morris, the 2020 season was without McCarthy. So it was the year prior. So yeah, because he went to IMG his senior year.
1: Yeah. So no, I think I I love that deep dive. I love that type of stuff because I think that's the stuff that matters. And we'll get into other guys that, um, you know, when the guys have that connection, there's something to be said about that. So it'll be intriguing to, to watch Tyler Morris come up and see what happens with him for sure. Um, I just think overall, man, this passing game, again, you look at Donovan Edwards and Blake Form, who have both just proven that they are dynamic receiving options. And probably, honestly, the de facto number one and number two receiving o- options in this offense. Um, it just makes it difficult with these wide receivers to project.
0: I couldn't agree more. And what I find crazy is that A.J. Henning... Is pulling in the most NIL dollars at one hundred twenty six thousand, and and, yeah. and he's like the sixth wide receiver on the team in, in my eyes. I mean, yeah. I am not excited about him at all. But uh, you know, the, there is some NFL potential though. At, at, at tied in with Eric All, yep. he's he's a guy who's probably going to go in the fourth round or fifth round, and um, and probably have a decent career. He he does a little bit of everything, and he he did post seven point two fantasy points per game last year and. Uh, you know, so uh, he's got some potential. He's, he's uh, 6'4", 245. So we don't have to worry about him transitioning into a, an H back role in the NFL, but um, you know, he's not, he's definitely not going to be, you know, one of my primary targets in, in CFF, but if you're in, if you're in a crazy league where uh, you know, those, those tight end numbers are, you know, I've seen, I actually saw one recently somebody was asking me a question about that was um, three, three points per reception just for tight ends. And I'm like, wow, you know, so, but that was an NFL, but I'm just saying if you were That's playing awesome. a CFF league like that, that would, this is a guy you're definitely going to be all over, but yeah. what are your thoughts on Eric Hall?
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I think he's one of the sneakier options, um, particularly in two tight end leagues um, of a guy that is really going to produce that you wouldn't really think about off the top of your head because he averaged seven points a game, but I think he's pretty much a lock to do that again. Um, if not increase that. Um, based on his involvement on the offense
0: yeah absolutely and you know when he's been on the field he's actually been targeted at the sixth highest rate of qualified tight ends Hmm. so um, uh, we we may actually see uh, you know that number go up this year if it gets up towards you know 10 or so I mean we're talking about somebody that's going to be a top 15 tight end which is yeah very very close to a tight end one here. So uh though let's let's move on to Michigan State. And I'm sure there's uh they're they're not gonna find a whole lot of love in Ann Arbor because Michigan State just I mean they they came back from just a, a it, one of the best games of the year to to beat Michigan. It was you know mainly <laughs> Camp Walker the third of course Yeah, he's not here anymore. But I do like Peyton Thorne. Peyton Thorne is um He's a you know, he's not a he's not your QB one, but uh there's definitely nothing wrong with having hit having him as your third quarterback. Right. And he put yeah. up nearly twenty one fantasy points per game last year. Um and you know, he's not he's not gonna run a lot, but but what are your thoughts on him?
1: Yeah, I mean I think one of the things about Peyton Thorne is just so stinking consistent. Um, you know, he put up twenty something fantasy points per game, but he did that in almost every game as well. So I think a guy like that, you're right. As a QB three, QB four, like he's a guy that you want on your roster just for that consistency. Um, So I like, I like Thorne and I like the fact that he, you know, we talked about guys that played high school ball together and I'm pretty sure Thorne played high school ball with Jaden Reed. And so we'll talk about that in a minute, but I like Peyton Thorne for that reason alone because I like Jaden Reed a lot. And I think it'll be even more of a chance to feature him this year with, with Speedy Naylor gone. So I like Thorne. I've been picking him in almost every draft, to be quite honest in the 20 plus round um, range as a guy that I want as kind of my, my fourth, fifth guy. If my, if my top guys flame out, I know that Peyton Thorne is still going to get me 22, 23 points a game. And, um and I can, I can work with that if I have other skill position players that are pretty dynamic. Yeah, absolutely. It's,
0: you know, he's he's a name that if if he can if he can just work on on some of the some of the intangibles and and you know really impress these these next two years. I mean Peyton Thorne, he could be he could be somebody to make some some noise in the NFL if he keeps. I mean the the improvements that he showed from his first year were, I mean, pretty significant. So and and he put up thirty two. Point one fantasy points per game in 2018. I think there's a, there's a, we definitely haven't seen him hit his ceiling yet. I think, I think, uh, you know, we could see him get up to maybe 24, 25 this year. If, um, you know, if if he gets some help outside of uh, Jaden Reed, but let's move to the backfield. And this is where there's, there's some serious questions and I don't think anyone has the answers because Mm -hmm. Jared Broussard, he's, he, he didn't join the roster during the spring, but they're not going to hold that against him. Because uh, you know he's going to join, he's going to join uh, right around now, and then you know he's going to have an opportunity to compete with with Jalen Berger here, who I'm not a big fan of, to be honest. And uh, I, I like Broussard; he's a smaller guy, but he's a guy that that, that has shown a lot of potential uh, during the the COVID shortened season, which the Pac-12 have only played five or six games. I um, mean, he put up 22 fantasy points per game. I mean, he was he was a baller. Mm-hmm. for Colorado. And, um, I, I like him more. I think, um uh, I, I, you know, Jalen Berger, I think he's got some attitude issues. I, uh, I know he got kicked off of the, the Wisconsin roster and that just doesn't, that doesn't sit right with me. It's one thing to, to get kicked off of, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to name any specifics, but a few, a mm-hmm. few other programs, but not for Paul Chris. This it it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't sit right with me that he was kicked off that roster. And oh, I'm sorry you got beat out by Braylon Allen. That's the way it goes, <laughs> brother. You're you're not the best player on the team. And and you know what? I think he even got beat out by Malusi. So and that that that's pretty sad. But um, you know <laughs> this is this is a situation where Mel Tucker proved last year that uh, that that he and Jay Johnson that they can. They can put together a good offense here and I think they're gonna to continue to have that this year. So what are your thoughts between the battle between Broussard and Burger?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm more on Jalen Berger than I, I knew am when you were I, say that. Because yeah. you've always liked Burger. Yeah, I like Burger. I just like the dude just finds a way to get four or five yards every time and he's he's so skinny. That's the one thing about him that I just don't like. Um, but you know, I I like Burger. I Broussard, I just even though he had that dynamic season, it reminds me a little bit like the COVID season where guys only have to perform for six or seven games. I think that works for a guy that's five nine, one eighty five. But you go to the Big Ten and you have to play a full twelve game season, like he's not gonna get the workload of a Kenneth Walker, which neither is Jalen Berger. But I have concerns about Bruchard and, and and it's not only that he's five nine, one eighty five, but it's the injury history with him. And then the fact that he didn't follow it up in 2021 with a d- dynamic season, but all that's being said, Mel Tucker knows who Jerick Broussard is, and he knows all the things around him. So I do think Jerick Broussard could very, very, very well be the guy here um, at Michigan State um, based on his history with Mel Tucker. But I'm just gonna, I'm just betting on the talent with Jalen Berger. But either guy, I don't see this being a Kenneth Walker, which props to you, man. You were all over Kenneth Walker as a um, as an NFL prospect, and that was a major hit on your part. Um, but I don't see a Kenneth Walker between these two guys. So I think it's still running back by committee. I don't think these, are guys, these aren't guys that are going, either one of them aren't going before the 20th round in any draft. So, you know, I think what you're probably doing is picking these guys up off the waiver wire in your redraft leagues or picking one of them late. So, um, yeah, I don't think, uh, I don't think these are guys you're going to draft early and they're going to kill your roster. If you are drafting them earlier, that's on you. (laughs) Cause I wouldn't bet on either one of these guys like hitting in the way that Kenneth Walker hit, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. So I I would like to address a few things. And first of all, you know, me and I, you know, I'm, I'm going to try to wait as long as I can for my guys, but I'll still draft them either way. Yeah. and But at the same time, I don't think you can draft Jarek Broussard because he wasn't even on the roster in the spring. So we got like nothing, no right. information. So maybe if we got a little hint of what the coaches were thinking, maybe we could, but they're, I, you, he's, they're waiver wire guys right now. I, yeah. I, I don't think you even, I don't even think you consider Berger. I, but yeah. I will say yeah. this. Their injury, the injury history is there, but Broussard 90.3 elusive rating 37.6 mm. for Jalen Berger. Yeah. Then we look at how they've, how they've done it. So in, uh, on runs of 10 plus, uh, 10 to 10 to 19 yards on runs from 20 to 39 yards and from 40 and pl- 40 plus, I mean, Broussard has obliterated Jalen Berger in all three categories mm. Berger's just like a, a plotter he's getting you the you know the the expected and then you got broussard that's actually breaking away and and generating some yardage after now the one thing that has been disappointing for broussard has been his yards per route around 0.63 mm. um, but i will say this brennan lewis at colorado was a flat dud last year <laughs> I mean yeah. it was he had some good numbers in high school but he was awful last year and the, the, they they just they are committed to him so and it, it it I can see why Broussard left and uh you know it it was not a good situation for him but at the same time I need to realize that this could easily be the burger show for all we know And uh, and it's tough. It's tough. We'll have to wait. And that that that's something that nobody wants to do. All right, let's move on to wide receiver. And there are several guys that I like here. Um, I shouldn't say several. There are there are a trio of guys that I like here. And um, first off, Jaden Reed, the obvious choice. I mean, this guy's going to be playing in the NFL. He's a top 25 overall type uh, wide receiver and Debbie. And, you know, he's he's every stop he's been just outstanding and, and whether it be at Western Michigan um, and and the Juco ranks or now at uh, Michigan state, he's just been an outstanding uh, talent and um, you know, I know you love him. So go ahead and and gush over your guy.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think Jaden Reed is a guy that is just, like you said, he's been so dynamic and a speed guy. He can get downfield and he I mean, the fact that him and Thorne had that connection from high school. And then I think you lose Speedy Naylor. And I think, I mean, there's other guys that can step up here for sure. And you can talk about more of those guys in a minute. But I just see Jaden Reed as a guy that was hyper-efficient with, um, I mean, not a ton of targets. And so I think, man, give this guy a few more targets per game in this offense. And I think he's really going to be, dynamic. I have him as a top 15 um, CFF wide receiver this year um, but he's a guy that you can get in more of the I think 25 uh, wide receiver 25 range in the 6th, 7th round usually. And so I just think Jaden Reed from a value perspective is a guy that um, that we should be targeting in our drafts.
0: Absolutely. And, and I try to get him but uh, I know the a couple of the drafts that we did. You you were a little quicker getting him, and I wasn't wasn't able to. You you uh, you you seem to do that, and that drives me crazy. But um, uh, so yeah, let's let's move on to the guy that that's going to be the starter at F, and that's that's Trey Mosley. And, um, you know, we may see him, uh, come in as a one-for-one replacement for, mm-hmm. for, uh, Speedy mm-hmm. Naylor. And I mean, I, I was impressed that, you know, I think he's, he's more of a possession guy, you know, whereas Jaden Reed can pretty much do everything. Yeah. Uh, mostly the guy, the kind of guy that, that it showed that he can find the hole in his own and sit. And that's very valuable, especially, uh, for a young quarterback. Um, and, and so I think that, that, uh, you know, he's going to be a, a player here. Now, let's keep in mind, we're talking about a pro style offense. Uh, the offense is always going to go through the run. Uh, but uh, I think I think mostly, he's, you know, he's not somebody that we're going to go out and aggressively target in CFF, but he's somebody that may come into play as a, a waiver addition down the line um, that, you know, has has the potential. Uh, he put up 1.74 yards per route run, which which is pretty impressive for for a part time guy that that he was still able to to produce on a per route basis. But a guy that I really like, and he's not, and 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 you know, honestly, I'm not going out and getting him in CFF. I'm not going out and drafting him in Devi. But I, I still think he's gonna be uh, he's gonna follow his namesake and do something well in the game, and that's Antonio Gates Jr. I think this guy's going to be something and looking at his numbers. So he played, so he played it when he was in in high school, he played at a school that at Fordson that, that ran the ball a lot. So, Hmm. but at the same time um, he put up 20.6 fantasy points per game as a junior. And it went down to 16.7 last year, but Again, we're talking about a, a similar offense where they 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 ran a lot, and um, uh, you know he came in and and pretty much under the under the radar, and that's surprising. Playing or being the son of one of the greatest, <laughs> maybe the greatest—I wouldn't say that, but for me, more like top three uh, tight end in NFL history. I mean, this guy's got 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 that guy coaching him up every single day, so. Um, I, I, I don't know. What are your What are your thoughts on Antonio Gates Jr.?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think anytime you have that pedigree, I think it's something you have to look at for sure, especially when you got the namesake. And so I'm intrigued to see what he does too. I mean, you know, it's one of those things, like you said, like I'm not going out and drafting him a ton, but it's kind of a wait-and-see approach for me uh, with Antonio Gates Jr. Uh, to see if he starts hitting. And if he does, then he's a guy that I'd pick up um, on – waiver wires in dynasty and uh cff dynasty and then also ctc or debbie Lee. Yeah. so probably
0: not going to be this year he's six three 185 pounds at least that's what i have in my system yeah. right now He might have added a few pounds since so a little wiry right now and that's that's to be expected i mean the kid just got out of high school uh, you know, so this may just be a, a a red shirt season, but at the same time with a guy with a name like this, it wouldn't surprise me to see the coaches want to give him some playing time out of the gate just because he may be gone early if he if he does end up doing well. You know, if he has a mm-hmm. if he has a year, if he has a year or two like Jaden Reed, um, you know, he's going to be gone before Jaden Reed will, you know, he's not yeah. going to be sticking around. He's going to go to the NFL with that name. Um, you know, at tight end, there's really not a whole lot to talk about at Michigan State. They did bring in Daniel Barker over from uh, from Illinois, and and they do have uh, Malik Carr. You know, he used to be a, a highly rated guy, but uh, I'm not excited about him. Are you excited about him? Would you like to discuss him?
1: You know, he's just a guy that when you re reports from Michigan State, I mean, so he came in as a four-star wide receiver at Purdue, right? And he's... <laughs> because of m- multiple reasons, including like, he's probably a head case. Uh, you know, he transferred out and then they put him at tight end at Michigan state. Um, he's got a basketball background. So he's just a guy that has the tools to do something. And from everything I've read, I mean, he's showing out his, his dynamic athletic ability is starting to show itself on the field. And so he's just a guy that's an X factor. He's a, a guy that, you should be drafting high? Like, absolutely not. But I think he's worth a late-round flyer at the tight end position as a guy that could be a sleeper. Um, But when I say late, I mean, like, 20-plus rounds as your tight end six. (laughs) Um, And that's where I've been able to get him, and I feel comfortable getting him in that range as a high-upside pick. Um, So that's what I say about Malik Carr. Again, he's not a guy that you should spend a ton of draft capital on, but he's a guy well, that he, is dynamic potentially.
0: Yeah, yeah. He's, he's broken five tackles in eight career receptions, you know, so um, he's shown, he's shown some, some excellent elusiveness. And, and, and I will say that I, I've actually have seen him drafted, but we're talking about, we're talking about leagues where it's it's two points per reception for a tight end. Um I think, I think most drafts you're going to run out of time at, before you're going right. to think about him. Um, and, and, but if, if you, if you have a little bit deeper benches, yeah, I think absolutely Malik Carr, I think, you know, maybe in the future, but I just need to see a little bit more, um, consistency obviously. And then, you know, just playing time consistency before I'm going to get out of bed, uh, for that, that level of production. Um, all right, look, moving on, let's, let's go to Minnesota, which if you didn't know, Minnesota is one of the top defenses in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that affords them, uh, some, some, you know, some quality, uh, you know, cushion there on the, for the offense, because their defense is just, I mean, it's airtight and, um, and, and, you know, really sucks that their quarterback is, I mean, he had a good uh, 2019, which is crazy Tanner Morgan. And, and then ever since then, it's been pretty much, it's, you know, not not been much to get excited about it's actually gone downhill since and you know of course he had bateman and um and they also had um tyler what's his name from tampa bay johnson tyler johnson tampa bay so i mean i understand that that it was it was it was really just like having two (laughs) just really good wide receivers and and you know but guess what they're both gone and i mean I think that's more the issue than anything. And now he, he did have Bateman in 2020, but it was like a situation where Bateman eventually just kind of decided, you know, I think I'm just going to sit out the rest of the year rather than, um, then play for a losing team and, <laughs> and risk getting injured. So, you know, but at the same time, this, this defense is good enough that, that if the quarterback play can improve and if they can get some play out of their wide receivers, you know, we could be talking about Tanner Morgan again. Would you agree?
1: Yeah, and I think what's most interesting about Tana Morgan is that they brought back their OC from a couple of years ago, um, Kirk, Kirk. I can't say his last name very well. Someone attempt it, but Kirk. And you Her know, Washington. I yes, and um, you know, I think from I think Mike Sanford was part of the problem. From my understanding, Tana Morgan really struggled to be able to pick up that system didn't know what to do with the ball. And I think um, Kirk's come back. I think him and Tanner have a great relationship. Tanner's really saying, hey, I here's what I do well. Here's what I don't do well. Kirk's listening and going, like, "Hey, I'm going to put you in the best positions to succeed. And so I think if, if Tanner's going to do anything, it's going to be with Kirk. And so he could have a back, bounce back a year. But a bounce back year for Tanner Morgan isn't CFF viable. So maybe I just spent too much time talking about Tanner. And the OC, but I do think the OC brings some potential life back into this passing game. Um, And, you know, and potentially Chris Altman-Bell as well. So,
0: Now, if you want to hear something crazy, Tanner Morgan's probably going to get some NFL looks. Yeah. (laughs) He is better than you think. Mm -hmm. He ranks, uh, so compiling... The cover one, cover two, cover three, cover four, cover six, and his work in the red zone, and we're talking about the twenty-first ranked wow. quarterback qualified in the country. Um, and that there's something to that. At the same time, he is about the definition of a game manager. As yeah. He gets. Um. Now he does air it out, actually, but I think that was more, at least you know, based off of his career. Um, But I think that's, that's more related to the type of wide receivers that he had, especially Rashad Bateman, who was um, just, I mean, just a ridiculous college wide receiver. And, and, um, you know, so it's, he's a play action guy. He's a, he's somebody that um, I think he's going to be, he's going to be playing on Sundays, you know, and, and that's so weird looking at at the numbers he's producing, but at the same time, we need wide receivers to produce, but we're not going to go there yet. Let's look at the running backs. And this is where M- Minnesota is always a uh, off, off focus. This is, I mean, I mean, seriously, we you may see four running backs from this backfield drafted, depending on how deep deep you go. Um, so you know, we obviously have Mo Ibrahim, who you know he's not going to do anything as a receiver, but is probably, uh, I would say, a top five guy just because of what he does on the ground and and how he's how he's able to. To, I mean, wh- he was shredding Ohio State. Yeah, last year, week one, when that cat, when that Achilles popped, and oh, that was a, that was a disgusting injury. Mm. Yeah. I hate that they showed the the actual uh, <sighs> yeah the pop in his leg. It was like they had a close up of it. Disgusting. It just makes me cringe all over. Yeah. Thinking about it. Because I mean, I think that's everybody one of every everybody's worst fears is that that your Achilles is gonna pop and go up into your knee. That's ugh. ugh. That's awful. It's, it's just terrible to think about. So I definitely I feel sorry for him there. And um and from what I hear when they pop, it's loud too. It's not yeah. it's not something that's like a shotgun. It's not very subtle. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, Mo is coming back from that and, you know, there's not a great track. uh, There's not a great track record for that type of injury, but, but I will say that we did see Cam Akers come back. I mean, like. Historically quickly, and right. I think that's related to his age. And Mo's young, so I think I think he is going to come back from that. But that does leave us with a conundrum here: is like when do we want to start drafting him? Personally, me, I'm not even thinking about him until the tenth round passes. Yeah. When, excuse me. When I get to the tenth round, it's like a rule for me. I'm not even going to think about him until then. But I've, he ends up going in like the, the eighth or ninth every every draft I've done. Is that is that what you're seeing as well?
1: Well, here's what's crazy crazy. crazy uh was this guy was going in the second third fourth round early on in the offseason and um i put out some stuff on cam Akers and the history of running backs coming back from 20 keelys within a year and we pushed him back down to the seventh eighth ninth round but that's still higher than i'm willing to go i mean i get the upside but the fact that we've just never seen Anybody come back from this? And Cam Akers came back and averaged two point seven yards per carry. So I
0: will say though, let me jump in on Cam Akers, and and I've heard a lot of I've heard a lot of the hate there, but we got to remember the situation for LA. They were they were desperate for their run, for a running back that could come in and play with authority, and he he did provide that. He played. Right. I mean, he yes. was nasty. Yeah, he was nasty with you know with every time they gave him the ball, he was at least make forcing the defense to think about the ground game again and that that was a big part of why they won the Super Bowl and I still think that he's gonna he will come back from that because we saw with Dante foreman he looked pretty good past yeah. the past two years so i am I'm, I'm thinking that maybe maybe that the medical system is has advanced a little bit there but sorry for cutting you off no, no, I just no. and
1: to and I'm with you. I think this pitchers. is a, this is a good conversation because I do think because I looked into Dante foreman as well. And I think it's like, man, get him a year away from that injury for Cam Akers. And I think you could see, I mean, he's a dynamic athlete, right? Mm, um, yeah. That's something that Mo Ibrahim isn't. He wasn't a dynamic athlete before this. And he's not, definitely not going to be a dynamic athlete, you know, 10 to 11 months after the injury. And so, yeah, I just worry about Mo Ibrahim overall and, and then going, okay, are they now going to split carries more 60 40 type deal between him and pots or? Williams or Evans, you know, whoever they decide is the, is the running back too. So I, I just, I'm of the, of the notion of going, if we've never really seen it before, like maybe Cam is the example of like science has, has advanced. I would love to get our injury guy, Edwin in on it and hear what he has to say on some of this with Mo, if he has any insights, because that would maybe change some things for, for me, but I I'm with you, man. I'm not taking him before the tenth round and he just hasn't fallen um that far yet in drafts.
0: Yeah, I will say I don't think about him until the tenth, but that doesn't mean that's where I'm drafting him. You know, if there's still guys out there on the board uh that I like, I'm not even gonna think about him until beyond that. I'm just saying I don't even put him on the radar. Right. until the 10th. And, yeah. you know, if I could get him in like the 13th or the 14th, Oh yeah, definitely. I'm going to take it for sure. Cause you know, the upside's there, but you know, th- that's not the only injury situation that you have in this backfield. Cause Trey Potts, right. um, I, you know, it was really cryptic about his entire injury thing. I, and, and, it, and at first, I mean, it, and really still now when you, when you have that type <laughs> of where a guy is out for the rest of the year and you don't hear much about it, Unless they're just really – I mean because we, we pretty much found out what happened to Ibrahim right away. Right. But we didn't ever – we didn't – as far as I know, we never found out what happened to POTS. makes me think it was something related to concussions or to mm. the backbone. Those are the two things that, that you don't hear a lot about when they happen because they're such scary type of uh, yep. long-term health issues. So have you heard anything about what about the injury that he no. suffered?
1: Not other than it was an emergency medical issue, right, that they had a – Go right away to the hospital, um, and then it could he was, have been a punctured organ. I was—that's kind of what I thought—is that it was something maybe internal, and he just couldn't come back and play. Like maybe busted his spleen or you know something like that. But it was something that was significant enough where he hasn't—he didn't play in the spring. I mean, he, he yeah, ran around, but yeah. yeah. So it's definitely something to take with caution.
0: Because he was really good when Ibrahim went down, yeah, um uh, it, what he wasn't Ibrahim level don 't get no. me wrong, but he was good enough to have on the roster, and if you 're you 're starting you know uh, you 've got multiple flex spots, I mean he was somebody you were definitely thinking about in in those games and then but you know w- w- we really don 't know so right now Ibrahim Potts, it looks like they're they still haven 't gotten medical clearance, and we're we 're still waiting on them, so we, we're we 're having to decide between Bryce Williams, who. I mean, I'll, I'll just say he's been more of a <laughs> just a guy. I mean, I would much rather see Marquise Irving or Kai Thomas here, but you know they're not here anymore. Yeah. Um. You know, and I saw you take Zach Evans, and I was a little surprised. That, not that I, I shouldn't have been, because I know I know you. You you do your homework, but I, I like this guy as well. So he put up twenty nine fantasy points per game as a senior, twenty as a junior, seventeen as a sophomore. I mean, that's that is some outstanding uh development throughout your high school career. And he's coming into a system where we know this offensive line, it's gonna be a big cornbread fed set of guys <laughs> that are gonna that are gonna create holes and they're gonna want to get the ball into their running backs hands. And if Zach Evans is a guy, and he's a little small, um, you know, it, it would it would seem that Bryce Williams would be the guy he's six foot two fifteen, but you never know. Um, you know, uh, if if Zach Evans can put on some weight, and you know, we might see him maybe third or fourth game and take over this spot if Ibrahim and Potts don't, um, you know, get their clearance. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, the only I, I, that that must have been a mistake. Or yeah, the only time I've taken Zach Evans is as a, as a mistake because I meant to go for Zach Evans, the Old Miss running back. No, this was late. I, I
0: swear, this was late in one of our drafts. Maybe it was. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it was somebody
1: else that did it. Yeah, but, somebody, and maybe
0: they were just thinking. Oh, it's Zach Evans at Ole Miss. You know what I mean? Well, but
1: I do think he had some pub in the spring ball, and so maybe that's why I picked him up. But I mean, you know me; I'm not a 5'9", 185 running back guy. Yeah. So, no, but but yeah, I wouldn't take Zach Evans. I mean, I think Bryce Williams is going to be the next next guy up after Potts and Ibrahim, personally. Um, but I I'm not I'm not touching this backfield. I mean, Potts would be the next guy after Ibrahim, but. I think everything's trending in the direction that those guys are going to come back and, um, and at least give it a go in the fall. And then if neither one of them can do it, then yeah. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a little surprised that Irving and Kai Thomas didn't stick around, um, at least one of them. And it, it makes me think that these guys, Potts and Ibrahim were trending in a really good direction, even back in. January or whenever they, they entered enter the transfer portal, because I don't see why those guys would have transferred out. Because both of those guys looked really impressive um, last year.
0: Yeah, no doubt they they it was a it 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 could have been a sign that you know one of those guys will definitely be back. And you know even if Ibrahim does come back, uh, you know I I think he's obviously got the upside, but. Um, you know, I think it's like you said, I I think he's going to be in a a share. I don't think we're going to see him take 30 touches a game. Um, And, and, but you know, it would seem pots would be the one that would get the clearance first, but we'll see. Yeah. So wide receiver. And this is where they really need somebody to step up because that's that, this is what has really held the, the offensive, the offense back. You got Chris Altman bell and um, he hasn't been terrible, but you know, I'm (laughs) spoiled. You know, I've had Tyler Johnson and, and, and Rashad Bateman, and, uh, you know, he is not that. No. Nope. Uh, but we, what really kills me is that we saw Dolan Wright in that same game against Ohio State, I mean, just going off. Yep. And it, he looked like he was going to be a serious talent. Yep. And, um, you know, that has not happened. And, you know, looking back to his high school career, he never averaged more than 16 fantasy points per game. And, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much out on dialing right now. And, uh, you know, then we have Daniel Jackson. Now he averaged 30 as a senior, 21 as a junior. He's a guy that, um, it, it, he knows how to produce. So, uh, we may, you know, maybe he'll, he'll break out this year. He should be the starter, um, at Z. So, um, is there a guy here that you're excited about? Are you, are you on the Chris Altman bell train? Cause I know, I know some uh, some of my buddies out there do
1: like him. I mean, I've never – i I'm not, personally. Um, I'm not excited about him. I think he's the one option right now. Maybe I liked Daniel Jackson early on in his career. He just hasn't popped the way that I had hoped he would. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I've never taken Chris Altman Bell in a draft in the, the 7, 25 years, whatever, he's been around. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't really see it happening unless somehow this offense, the passing game just becomes extremely simplified and that opens things up. But that's yeah. just tough to project here, to be honest.
0: Well, and then we have our, our six foot seven, 270 pound tight end Brevin Span Ford, who, I mean, if he were to step up and do something, I mean, he would probably become a celebrity at that yeah. size.
1: Shalani Woods, um, yeah, right I, there.
0: Yeah, well, I remember there was that Baylor tight end that was like a a converted offensive lineman. And he was like 400 pounds or 390 pounds or something. And wow, that was fun to watch. But uh, yeah, I mean, we've not seen it out of him. And um, he does uh, a lot of blocking. So yeah, not somebody I would recommend. Uh, drafting but it's still fun to talk about yeah all right let's move on to an exciting offense that's got a lot of parts a lot of pieces that that we need to consider and uh nebraska so you know (sighs) scott frost man this is your shot (laughs) this is this may be it yeah and he brought in mark whipple the man behind the the kenny pickett breakout you know which is just uh, it only took him, I, you know, half his life to do it, but he did it, and uh, you know. So let's see. And then they brought in a, a a quarterback that I know you love, and I know you've been drafting. So don't deny this one. Oh yeah. And uh, Casey Thompson, they brought him in from Texas, and I will say he he averaged forty fantasy points per game as a senior in two thousand eighteen mm-hmm. uh, in high school. So and then he and then he did play pretty well but he was the quarterback in the game that, uh, that Caleb uh, Williams overtook (laughs) uh, Spencer Rattler. Yeah. He was a part of that massive upset where Texas, where um, uh, Oklahoma came back to beat Texas. I'm sure there's some Texas fans that, that don't like to hear about that, but it happened. Uh, We'll move (laughs) on, but I know you like Casey Thompson. So, so what are your thoughts?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I think there's two thoughts here. One, I'm speaking of that, that Oklahoma game, he hit his thumb on a helmet in that game and pretty much broke it um, and then played the rest of the season with a severely injured thumb. They have pictures of it, and it's just all blue. And this is like the Kansas game at the end of the year. Um, so I would say, like, if you look at his, uh, his production before, Uh, the second half of the Oklahoma game, and then after that in the season, I mean, it's a pretty different quarterback. And so I'm thinking Casey Thompson could come back healthy uh, and really put up numbers. And Mark Whipple is a pretty friendly quarterback system where um, we've seen guys uh, produce in this offense before. We saw Kenny Pickett, but we also saw, you know, this is going way back. But again, Blake uh, Fraunhoppel, if you remember him from back in the day, He's putting up 3,300 yards. And, um, you know, he was doing a little bit. And I think that uh, Casey Thompson could have success with Mark Whipple. And I think one of the things that separates him from past guys in Mark Whipple's offense is that he's going to run the ball a little bit more than what we've seen out of that position. So I like Casey Thompson. Um, particularly, again, it's the value thing. I'm drafting him in usually the 15th uh, to 20th round. And so as my quarterback, four or five, he's a guy that I'm, I'm willing to take some shots on. Um, just because I'm familiar with Whipple um, quite a bit. Uh, and so I'll take shots on on guys uh, that I like. And I, I do think Casey Thompson's underrated because people only look at his production with the thumb injury. And I think, I think there's proof in the pudding even though it's a small sample size that he can do uh, a little bit more than what we've seen, at least at the end of last year. So I like Casey.
0: No, I, I won't argue with you. Uh, let me throw some things out there. He is, he has average averaged 0.96 fantasy points per dropback against cover one. That's the best in the country. Mm. He's averaged 2.19 in the red zone. That's the second best in the country. Overall, his compiled average rank is 20th. That, that is NFL potential. Um, this guy's mm. reading coverage as well. And uh, you know, you mentioned that he runs the ball a little bit more than 85, 15. That's, that's pretty good. And we may see more of it because like you, so by the way, um, let's get it out there, Josh, he works pretty close to the Texas campus. <laughs> so if you, if you want some inside stuff, he's, he's your guy on the on the, the longhorns and, and and from from what you told me the uh the Texas situation they don't they don't let their quarterbacks run as much correct right,
1: right. absolutely so
0: yeah so we we're probably going to see that number go up so we can't really rely on that if that's true um and then the the his touchdown rate second best in the country at 10.2% throwing Uh, a lot of touchdowns. And, you know, so, so uh, really what it's going to come down to is are they going to be able to move the ball through the air? So we'll get, we'll get to that later. But um, another guy I like though, is Trevor Purdy. Uh, You know, he's been injured, came over from Florida state. I I was actually, um, you know, pretty, pretty excited about him and, and he's, and, you know, it's not like he hasn't played. He's, he's taken 72 uh, dropbacks and um, and, and he's given us uh, an 80-20 split arm-to-leg. So um, he's a guy that, that could also come into play here if uh, Thompson were to get injured, and he's been good against cover one, and he's been good – I mean, almost identical to what Casey Thompson has done. Um, so I think he's a guy that could get – if when he gets his opportunity, because this is I – th- I believe this is Casey Thompson's last year, and it is uh, super yeah. senior year. Or, yep. or is, yeah. Yeah. So Chubba Purdy is going to be the guy next year. So um, I, I like him. And then they have Heinrich Harburg, who was a, a top, you know, big recruit last year, but you know, we'll see what happens when he, uh, when he gets his shot, but Chuba Purdy is a guy that I actually like, but let's move on to this backfield because uh, you know, there's, there's some questions here and the Nebraska backfield. I mean, don't, don't forget this is where Wanda Robinson came and came from. And uh, you know, Man, that those were some good days, man. He's he's <laughs> put up some, some really good numbers. Obviously, not as well as he did for Kentucky, but it was still fun to watch. It really was. And um, but because yeah, because he's so little, wandell has got those little arms. He just he just he's such a he's such an electric. And fun player to watch. I really like him. But uh, so we really have like just a mashed together unit of of players here. So we've got Gabe Irvin, who looks like he's going to get the starter reps at least out of the gate. Last I heard. Then we have Ramir Johnson. Then we have Marquis Stepp, who's probably pretty much out of the rotation here. Mm. We got former walk-on Jaquez Grant. That's 6'2", 240, 45 pounds. This dude's a, a wrecking ball. But then we also have uh, Anthony Grant, Juco transfer, who, I mean, has put up some seriously impressive numbers at the Juco ranks that you don't really see very often at all. Um, yeah. We're talking, uh, let's see what he did here, 25.9 fantasy points per game last year and 20 the year before. I mean, that is at another level of Juco production because usually you're gonna, you're not going to have very good offensive lines at in the Juco ranks. And um, that man, that's impressive. It really is. But that's not all. Then you got Emmett Johnson and AJ Allen who are pretty, pretty good recruits themselves. So man, I mean, this backfield is, 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 I mean, it's impressive, but at the same time, it's a mess. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah. And I, I think I'm right there with you at the mess. I do think Anthony Grant, who you mentioned, he's, he's a guy that has been dynamic in spring ball and really came in and, um, I think he's pushing Gabe Irvin for the starting reps. And so I think he's definitely one to watch in that backfield is intriguing, Both I think both Irvin and, and Grant. I mean, the one downside is other than Marquise Young, we haven't really seen running backs really produced in the Mark Whipple system. And so I get a little bit worried um, on that side of things of you're just not going to get, I think, Mark Whipple, his running backs have averaged 147 carries per, per uh, year. And so that's just not a lot of carries. So unless these guys are ultra-efficient, um, then we're talking about guys that are going to be really hard to rely on, really hard to draft. And so you're talking about guys that, to me, are waiver-wire pickups between Grant or Urban, whoever pops off.